Hi there, and welcome to The Woman Inspired Podcast. I am Karen. I'm your host, or shall I say hostess, and not just today, but every single time you hear a podcast on The Woman Inspired Podcast, I'll be talking to you. I'm a Christian inspirational speaker. Uh, you can find out more information about me and my little goofball-ness, is that a word? Goofballness. Um, what I write what I speak about, and what I podcast about out on my website, womaninspired.com. So I'm going to talk to you today, like I do just about every day. I'm real, pretty much down to earth all the time. And so I might stutter, I might backward talk, but I'm just going to be me. And uh, hopefully you will just be you. (laughs) I won't know the difference because I can't see or hear you, so who cares, right? (laughs) Just kidding. Anyway, you just be you, I'll just be me, and hopefully you'll enjoy today. I'm here to bring you something that will hopefully make you think, um, make you pray, make you laugh, make you smile, and hopefully inspire you. So you can find me out on Instagram by searching One Woman Inspired. That's the number one, followed by Woman Inspired. So if you wouldn't mind hopping out there when this podcast is over and following me, that would be great. And hopefully you will also subscribe to this podcast and share it with others. So I start out each podcast with what I like to call a pod quote, which is just a quote from a person or scripture or something I've read that's moved me or inspired me or made me laugh. And today's pod quote is, the most amazing things in life tend to happen at just the moment you're about to give up hope. I find this true most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. And I have no one to attribute this to because I couldn't Google and find out who said it. Uh, A lot of people have said this quote, so I'm not attributing it to anyone except um, probably everyone who said it um, has inspired somebody by it. So I'm going to repeat it for you in case you want to write it down. The most amazing things in life tend to happen at just the moment you're about to give up hope. Okay, on to today's podcast. See, here I am, not talking, right? We'll try it again. Okay, and on to today's pod- podcast. It is titled, A Crappy Proposal. So ever since I heard the term, it is what it is, there's something about it that has bothered me. I couldn't put my finger on it for a long time, uh, but my stance over time still hasn't changed. It just doesn't sit well with me. There's something about it that, does, that doesn't hold water for me. I've mulled it over in my head and heart a bunch of times thinking about it and at sometimes it it really it resonates i get it it really is just whatever it is but then out of the blue the other day i was reminded of a story i heard probably i don't know 20 years ago that reinforced to me that there is something about this saying i don't like so it's a crappy story hence the title of this podcast episode Sure, I could have called this podcast, um, it isn't what it isn't, or is it really what it is, or it ain't what it ain't. Okay, shh, don't tell my mother I just said the word ain't and don't tell my English teacher. <laughs> but, okay, but a crappy proposal is a little bit better title because really it's just a good title and it does have relevance to the content of this podcast episode, as does my loathing for the saying it is what it is. So if you use that terminology, please hang on. Don't click out of this podcast. I'd love for you to listen to this all the way through 
just to see what you think. And maybe it will inspire you to think a little bit differently. So we'll see. Here goes. Now about that proposal. It may have been a crappy proposal, but that's not what it was meant to be. You see, it's like a lot of things. At first look or at first discovery or first hearing about something or maybe at first seeing a story play out before you or reading the beginning pages in a book or the first acts of a play that's been acted out that you see or the early scenes of a movie, you may not get a grasp of the whole storyline and yet you might make a quick judgment and say, "Uh, I get it, well, it is what it is. That plot, that character, that play, that action, that scenario, I get it. It it couldn't be helped. It's important. It couldn't be changed. It had to be just that way. It just is what it is or it was what it was. But what if there's more to it than that? What if you get to the end and find out it's completely different than when you thought it would be? The who in your whodunit didn't do it. Or the character you thought was destined to survive dies. Or the love story turns out to be a hate story. What if you never found out because you only read the first few chapters and put the book down? Or walked out during the second act because you just said, okay, I get it. I get the idea. It is what it is. Well, that could have been the case with this particular story about two lovebirds who had a crappy proposal. But it wasn't. So here's their story. They decided to go walking in the park one nice day. She was giddy with the the scent of spring flowers. I'm guessing she was giddy. Okay, I'm just repeating a story, but I'm guessing she was giddy. The birds were chirping and they were finally getting the chance to enjoy a a semi-warm day without overcast clouds and the sky dripping wet all the time. So he was overjoyed and yet he was anxious and nervous and completely shaking inside with the knowledge that this wasn't just any ordinary spring walk with a sweetheart. Nope. The two who were soon to be college grads were seriously in love and he intended on proposing to her that very day on that very walk. He'd waited for something like two weeks for a day without torrential downpours to be able to take her to their favorite walking trail through the local park. He knew just where he wanted to propose to her, and it was a spot they'd walk to often. It was mid-trail, overlooking a little creek. He was bound and determined to make this marriage proposal, his one and only marriage proposal, perfect. One for the record books. He said, one to be remembered for all of time and eternity in the annals of romance and happily ever after stories that get told to generations of kids and grandkids. This was his idea. This is what he wanted for him and for her. So as they made their way to what he considered the exact perfect spot to propose, his stomach churned. His nerves threatened to get the best of him. All of a sudden, a group of teenagers coming from the opposite direction on the trail came riding their bikes towards them. Before he knew it, he and his sweetheart were practically forced to the side of the trail. And off he stepped He tripped and fell smack dab into a muddy puddle. His shoes were soaked, his pants had mud on them, and uh, I guess, frankly, it looked like he had messed his pants. So concern for him made her declare that they were going to turn around and go back so he could change. But he was having none of it. Nothing was going to keep him from proposing, not even crappy looking mud on his pants and soaking wet shoes. 
So as they made their way to the clearing at the creek, he was relieved um, that there weren't a bunch of other people around. So they talked for a few minutes and he leaned on the railing of the, the little footbridge that covered the creek and they were ooing and awing over the flowers that were starting to bloom and the birds that had started to come back for the season. And just as he was about to reach for her hand, a barking dog came zooming down the trail, nearly knocking her completely over and but he was able to catch her, but not before she actually tripped. She fell into him and it knocked the two of them over. At this point, he was, he, he said it and, and told people often he was tempted to get up and, well, walk out of the second act of the play and hightail it back to campus because this was not at all how he'd planned this picture perfect day. But they got themselves up and she suddenly said she was ready to go. She was getting cold and she had finals to study for. I can, I can just imagine how he felt like, okay, all the signs are pointing to this is not cool. This is not good. I'm done. But he held her hand and he said, before we go, I want to ask you something. Well, tell you something. Well, ask you something. I mean, I want to ask you something and tell you something. And she probably looked at him like he had 10 heads, I'd say. But he looked into her eyes and told her that she was the love of his life. That he didn't want to do a day without her by his side. And she meant the world to him. He reached into his pocket. He pulled out a ring box. He got down on one knee and she squealed. She jumped. She jumped back and screamed, no, before he even got the question out. He looked up, and just in time, uh, as he looked up, he saw a bird flying right towards them, and as it came over, this was just seconds going on, as it came over, it crapped all over them. Within seconds, they were both covered with the telltale white splotches from those beautiful birds coming back from the season. He stood up and she started to cry as they both had bird crap on them, on their heads and faces, by the way. And he busted out laughing. (laughs) This was definitely a crappy proposal. Apparently, eventually she laughed too. Uh, Thank God. But yep, he got what he wanted. He got a proposal they would never forget. It was one for the record books. They might look back on it now and say, you know, it is what it is, but I doubt it. They could say, uh, or could have said, what's the point in marking it down as amazing when it wasn't amazing, it wasn't perfect. In fact, he could have redone the whole proposal. They could have pretended the day never happened or lied until their grandkids or kids and grandkids, a different story, leaving out all the crappy parts. But they didn't do that. He could have walked out before before proposing, taking it all as a sign that they weren't meant to be. But they didn't do any of that. They tell it like it is. They tell it like it was. Why? Because it isn't what it isn't. It isn't a sad, crappy story, even though I call it a crappy proposal. It is a true love story. One that resulted in, so far, 50 plus years of marriage, three children, two who became doctors, one who became a soldier, and all of them having saved countless lives in their various professions. 
So saying it is what it is, isn't always applicable because this was not a crappy proposal. It was a beautiful proposal, a romantic yet funny and goofy proposal, a story of two people in love who were ready to commit themselves for a lifetime to each other. This was not a story about getting crapped on. This was not a statue and pigeon joke written in Reader's Digest. Okay, it just so happens that, well, crap happens. And on the same day as their proposal, crap happened. You see, oftentimes saying it is what it is, is just a cop out. And it doesn't cover what's really going on. There's more than what we see on the surface. So if you just hear this story about two people who got together and one asked the other one to marry the other one and bird crapped on them, you might just say, oh, this is a crappy story. But there's more to it than that. Saying it is what it is doesn't let us peek into what's going on underneath. It is what it is is a statement that's used to be able to throw our hands up in the air over something, walk away from a situation, pretend it didn't happen, or pretend it doesn't exist, and sometimes, not always, but sometimes, used to just plain give up. Or it's used as a coping mechanism, which understand that it is, in order to try to let go of a situation and walk away. That's not necessarily a bad thing, because sometimes we feel like we have no control over something, or we feel like there's no reason to spend any more time, energy, or thought into it, because we can't change what it is. So if we, we've coined that phrase, it is what it is. But what if it isn't? What if what you see through the naked eye, or what you hear through mere words, or the reactions you get from others, or the trouble you're in, or... The circumstances that come your way aren't just what you see. What if there is more to it than that? And you're chalking it all up to the widely overused cop-out, it is what it is. What if it isn't a situation that calls for the statement, it is what it is? Have you ever asked yourself, well, maybe that's not really what it is? If you ask yourself this question, then you must also ask, then what is it meant to be? Maybe that thing, that story, that trouble, that crap somebody spilled over on you had a purpose. Maybe there's more underneath the surface than what we just paint across the top with a five, nice fine brush or, or can put in a little box and set to the side and label as it is what it is. Maybe that doesn't apply to nearly as much as our culture has decided it does. Let's take that crappy proposal story, for instance. Nope, neither of the lovebirds could control the fact that their fine feathered friends had seemingly taken X-lax earlier in the day. But if you were just told a story about two people who went on a walk, as I said before, the man got down on one knee to propose and birds flew overhead and crapped on them, you might sum it up and say, well, it is what it is because they couldn't avoid it. It happened. But wasn't it more than that? It wasn't just a crappy proposal. It certainly isn't a story that family talks about with disdain or that they get all upset about or sighing as if they were so disappointed or they just had to cope with the idea and let it go. No, because there was more underneath than that. This was their story. There was depth to it. It wasn't just that it was because there was so much more. It just wasn't what it was just because we hear about the crap. I'm not sure if that made sense to you. 
let me read, let me say it a little bit differently. It wasn't just what it was because there is so much more to it than that because the proposal was meant to be more than that. And the intention and the meaning, the depth of love behind the story is what was meant to be and what was lasted. It's what's lingered and it has been remembered through uh, oh so many years in their family. It was a beautiful proposal about two people who loved each other enough to laugh through the crap. If you look past the immediate, whether it's in this story or something having to do with your life or somebody else's life, if you look past the immediate, the uncomfortable, the detestable, the ridiculous, the sad, uh, or the angry exterior or the outer story of most any scenario in life, whatever it is, will never truly fulfill and define this trite, it is what it is statement because it is always more than that. So how about another story? How about a baby being born in a manger? At first hearing of this story, you might think, eh, a baby was born in a manger because some idiots wouldn't let the pregnant mom stay at their homes. Nothing they could do about it, right? So they squatted in a manger and they did what they had to do. It is what it is. It's people being cruel and it's teenagers having a baby in the manger because that's all they could do. But it wasn't meant to be just a baby in a manger. It's not just a baby in a manger story. He wasn't meant to be just any baby in a manger, and he wasn't. He was Jesus, and there was a purpose for his birth, and it was real. People came from far and wide to see him. What about the criminal who was marched through the streets with a big, huge, cross-shaped chunk of wood on his back and then crucified, stoned, pierced in his side with a spear and a, a crown of thorns put on his head? He was up there with other criminals. He was deemed a criminal by Pontius Pilate. People were chanting and shouting in the street to crucify him. It is what it is. He was a criminal. It is what it is. Or was it? Because yes, those are the bare bone facts. But it was meant to be so much more than that. And it was more than that. He was deemed a criminal. He was deemed someone who should be put on a cross and crucified. But what about what it was meant to be? What about the fact that this crucifixion fulfilled a prophecy? That Jesus wasn't just some criminal on a cross. He was and is the Son of God. What about the fact that he was and is the Messiah? What about the fact that he is our Savior? He is who he is, you might say. But, yet he's so much more than even that. He's more than our human brains and intellect can frankly comprehend. But sometimes it isn't just what it is, but it's a whole lot more than that. So when we say, well, it is what it is, what are we relegating? What are we pushing down? What are we making small that maybe we shouldn't be making so small? Think back for a minute on the last time you just threw your hands up and said, it is what it is, and replay that scenario in your head. I don't ask you to do this in order to replace some stress or dig into something that bothered you, but chances are, if you're repeatedly saying it is what it is, then you're not really dealing with that stress anyhow. You're not really handling that stress, worry, and concern, and you're not handing it over to God. You're just repeatedly 
probably without a whole lot of success, telling your brain to quit thinking about things and pushing them to the back of your memory file until they creep back up on you in the middle of the night or when the next stressful, anger-inducing, frustrating thing happens or when the next road rage-filled driver cuts you off or when the spring season hits and the birds fly over and you get doused with crap from the beautiful flock above and all the other stuff comes flooding back to you again. So just I'm asking you to just stop a minute and think. Take that thing you've thrown your hands up at and say, what is it really? That thing that you said, oh, it is what it is. And think about it for a minute. Think about what it might have truly been. Was there some meaning in it? Was there some purpose? Was there a divine lesson or a sign from God or some bit of knowledge or wisdom or insight for you? Was there something you were supposed to take action on and didn't? Instead, you just ran from it or decided not to push it. You know, you didn't want to make waves or not confront it because you don't like confrontation. But perhaps you were supposed to confront it. Did you pray about it? Or did you just throw up your hands and say, oh, it is what it is. I can't control it. I can't do anything about it. I'm not asking you to control it. But did you look at it? Did you pray about it? Did you find out if there was more there than you thought there was? Perhaps you were not supposed to confront it. And that's definitely a possibility. But did you pray about that too? Did you say, Jesus, take this, keep it. If it's not for me, then keep it. If it's not for me to confront, then take it from my heart, from my mind, take it from my hands, Jesus. Or in southern country terms, Jesus, take the wheel. You know, or or did you just tell your very human, overthinking, overworking, worrying brain, it is what it is, it is what it is, for now. Until it all hits you again and again later, when something else comes up. I want to just challenge you and encourage you to not use this cultural phrase, to give up to give in, to cop out or crap out if you're not supposed to. But seek God for your answers, for your stress busting, for someone, the ultimate person, the ultimate creator, the only creator to just let things go to and to seek him to find out what is this, whatever it is. Is it really what it is? Is it really what it seems or is it something else? Is there more to it than meets the eye? And is it for you? Okay. (laughs) That's what I wanted to share with you today. I hope that you will take the time to think and pray about um, the fact that it isn't always just what it is. And so many more times than we give credit for or that we will acknowledge There is more to what's going on than meets the eye. A lot of times there's things underneath. That's why we give up. That's why today's pod quote is so important. The most amazing things in life tend to happen at just the moment you're about to give up hope. So many times we give up hope because we just want to say it is what it is and we walk away. Or we we don't grasp onto faith or we don't even seek God in the middle of something because it's so easy to just say it is what it is and throw our hands up and let it go. But if 
we had all done that when it came to having faith, when it came to believing on Jesus, when it came to, to Mary going to the tomb. If she had just said, it is what it is, there's nothing I can do about it, I'm not going to go to the tomb, she would have never known that Jesus had risen. There's so much more going on in this world than meets the eye. So I hope and pray that you will seek God on all of these things and you won't just give up and you won't just give in. You'll let it go when he tells you to, but you'll seek him on it first. That's what I'm hoping you'll do and that's what I'm encouraging you to do. So I I pray that you will join me next time and that you'll subscribe to this podcast and I really appreciate you um, tuning in today. I hope you have a very blessed day. Don't forget to follow me on Google Play, Apple Store, or on Podbean. 